Hello, welcome to another episode of the Coffee and Comics podcast. I'm your host, the caffeinated Clinton Robison, and as some of you may know, at the time of this recording, there is a Thor movie coming up. Thor Ragnarok, set to hit theaters next month. So I kind of figured I might jump on the bandwagon a little bit and talk about this, but it's not going to be a Thor comic, it's going to be a Hulk comic. Why? Because Hulk's in the movie, dang it, that's why. But I didn't decide to talk about this alone. I brought in that force of nature, that unstoppable fury, that potential hurricane, Greg Arusho. Stand back! There's a hurricane coming through! Welcome back, Greg. Thanks for for inviting me. You make me sound like I should be some sort of active God clause in, in somebody's insurance and insurance policy. I'll try to live up to the hype. <laughs> Would you like to tell everybody what issue we are talking about today, Greg? Today we're talking about Incredible Hulk, Volume One. Issue number 255, cover dated January 1980, but thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, it was on sale on October 21st, 1980. It's titled Thunder Under the East River. Its cover was done by Rick Buckler and Al Milgram. Uh, So what did you think of the cover? The cover definitely sells what it's trying to get across. Yeah, I, I was a little disappointed by it, um, to be honest with you. Uh, it's awful crowded, and it's cramped, and it really doesn't give you any real sense of what's taking place, where, the, where it's taking place. I mean, there's streaming water in the corner suggesting somewhere underground, but I, th- I think it's kind of messy. I mean, it gets the point across. It's, it's a Hulk versus Thor comic, but, uh, but outside of that... It, it, it does, it, it's kind of a mess. See, I didn't even notice the water. I was too busy looking at the guy trying to swerve his car. <laughs> Insurance rates in the Marvel Universe, Marvel Universe must be insane. Jeez, look at Thor, though. Honestly, I can't tell if he's actually trying to attack the Hulk or dodge the Hulk. Yeah, exactly. Because um, his arm, I mean, his arm is swinging him all near at the Hulk. But the rest of his body looks more like, no, I'm jumping back. It almost looks like they're dancing. Hulk <laughs> <laughs> lead. Yellow hair follow. Uh, exactly. I, it, it's, it's too close. I think the camera needs to be pulled back a little bit, quite frankly. I mean, granted, I mean, that's one of the things I like about Marvel Comics is that you can be right up in the midst of the action. But uh, this might be just a little bit too close. A little bit too close for those uh, flying rocks. Well, this issue was edited by Al Milgram and Jim Shooter. The colors were by Bob Sharon. Letter by letters by Joe Rosen. The pictures were by Sal Basima, and the words were were from Bill Matlow. Well, and if anybody ever questions how many words that a Hulk comic really needs, well, Bill Matlow definitely used up his allotment. <laughs> oh. 
poor Bill Matlow's dictionary. <laughs> well, I guess I can get into the synopsis if you'd like. I would like. All right. After the pr- previous issue's encounter with the UFOs in the Southwest, the Incredible Hulk now finds himself in New Jersey at the edge of the Hudson River just outside of New York City. For reasons he can't quite explain, the Incredible Hulk wanders onto the George Washington Bridge and heads towards New York City. After an unpleasant encounter at, at a bridge toll booth and a strangely prepared New York City Police Department, the Hulk sneaks off and hides with a hobo inside a little red lighthouse. The next morning, Bruce Banner wakes, awakes to find himself inside the lighthouse. After he gets his bearings, Banner decides the best course of action is to get out of town. He decides to hop onto a freight train heading towards the shipyards. Getting out of the city just isn't enough for Banner. He, decide his, he decides his luck might change if he, if he leads the country. Perhaps there is some place in the world where Banner and the Hulk might finally find peace. Meanwhile, downriver, Dr. Don Blake is volunteering his time at the Freight Yard YMC Homeless Shelter providing medical assistance to those in need. As luck would have it, this is the exact same time as the train carrying Banner passes the very same YMCA. A hapless train yard guard encounters Banner. While the guard only wants to take Banner to the YMC clinic, Banner freaks out, runs away, and into the path of an oncoming train. Banner is crushed by the train. To the surprise of everyone, this is the end of the issue, the end of the series. Bruce Banner and the Hulk were never appearing in comics again. Just kidding. Hulk Banner turns into the Hulk, stopping the train. The sound of Hulk versus a train is enough to, to capture Dr. Don Blake's attention. Stepping in into an abandoned room, Dr. Don Blake, lame physician, raises his walking stick above his head, then strikes it against the floor, and it issues forth a, bril- a burst of brilliance. Within the glow, Dr. Don Blake ceases to exist, and in, in his place stands Thor, God of Thunder. The God of Thor initially tries to calm down the rampaging Hulk, but the raging beast isn't having any of it. Hulk rejects Thor's suggestion to calm the F down and responds with a mighty Salbacema punch. Thor responds with a reverse Salbacema punch. After a few pages of fighty fight in the mighty Marvel manner, Hulk decides to get out of the train yard and continues to head towards the shipyard. Thor gives chase. Eventually, their fight leads them to the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. After the Hulk tosses a delivery truck into the roof of the tunnel, Thor turns to see a crack has formed and water from the East River is beginning to leak into the enclosed area. Before Thor can react, the Hulk Salbacema punches Thor so hard he loses his grip of his mighty hammer. With no time to waste, Thor braces the roof of the tunnel with his back. Instead of either helping Thor or leaving, Hulk realizes he is contractually obligated to to attempt to lift Thor's hammer. For a few moments, Hulk is unable to lift the hammer, but suddenly Hulk believes he has accomplished the impossible. To the surprise of everyone, Hulk is now Marvel's newest god of thunder. Now, the 60-second time limit has expired, and the hammer has now turned back into a walking stick, and Dr. Don Blake now stands in Thor's place. Hulk is naturally confused, but Dr. Don Blake tries to regain his walking stick from the Hulk. Blake explains to the Hulk that he is Thor, and Thor lives inside of Dr. Don Blake, just like the Hulk lives inside of Bruce Banner. But Hulk isn't hearing any of it. Hulk drops the walking stick, walks away. 
With seconds left, Dr. Don Blake, lame physician, manages manages to get to the walking stick, turn back into Thor, and hold up and holds up the tunnel's roof until repair crews manage to get things under control. Meanwhile, Hulk manages to get to the shipyard without any further problems, sneaks onto a ship, heading to an unknown destination. Bolt will take Hulk away from everything Bolt Hulk hates, from the cities, from the puny humans, always calling Hulk monster, from the fighting, and from Banner. Next stop, Israel. That's a, that's a lovely story. <laughs> it warms your heart. Okay, well, let's take a quick break right here for a promo, and we'll be back and talk about this lovely story. Okay, I'm going to do the promo now. Really? Finally. Okay, let's do the promo. What do you mean, let's do the promo? I'm the one who has to do it. Well, get on with it then. Okay, okay, here we go. Iron Man. The Incredible Hulk. The Mighty Thor. The Captain America. Wow. Being dramatic there, aren't we? Do, do you think it's too much? Should I back off? No, 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 you're fine. You, you're good. Okay. You've seen the Earth's mightiest heroes in the Avengers franchise of films. Now you can enjoy the stories that have inspired those films through the magic of comic podcasting. Magic of podcasting? You sure about that one? Well, yeah, because, you know, we're awesome. Like, magic. Only without actually seeing any magical things. Just go with it, go with it, go with it. Okay. Don't forget to tell them what we're actually doing on the show. Oh, oh yeah, okay. So join Lily Wilson, the awesomest teenage comics fan in the world, mm-hmm. as her father takes her through all the early comics that feature characters from the Avengers franchise of films. And some that aren't in those films yet, but will be. Because we started with the anime before we had a full film. Oh, well, yeah. And don't forget Spider-Man. So that's not the Avenger, but he's there. Oh, okay. So um, maybe it should be that feature characters that have been, are currently, or will one day be in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Better. And where should they go not see this magical podcasty goodness? New episodes can be found... <coughs> do I have to do the voice? Yes, you do. Okay, okay. New episodes can be found at the Complete Marvel Reading Order website, cmro.travis-starns.com, and clicking under the Podcasts tab. Or on iTunes by searching Complete Marvel Reading Order, or just search for the name of the show itself. Um, Dad? Don't you think we should actually say the name of our show? Oh. Yeah! Avengers! Inspirations! Podcast! Listen and stuff. Yeah, good job, Dad. Thank you. And we're back. Well, that was certainly something. (laughs) (laughs) It was indeed. So, normally I talk about the story first, but uh, I'd kind of like to talk about the art first on this one, actually. Sure. Sal Basima. Yeah, I mean, it It kind of goes without reproach, but I'll be honest, uh, my first Hulk comic was a John Byrne, so I kind of got a little spoiled on that look. Oh, Sal Basima, I love his Hulk. He's not the first Hulk artist um, that I encountered, that would have been Herb Trimpey, back in the early 70s, 
But when I think of Hulk comics, I think of Sal Basima and his 10-year, almost uninterrupted run. I mean, he was on the book from 1975 to 1985. I mean, December 1975 to July 1985. I mean, that's that's incredible then. That's incredible now. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like saying you don't like um, Peter David's run when... Peter David's run is half the Hulk's life. Oh, exactly. Um, I mean, I can and compared to John Byrne. I mean, Sal Basima is definitely not a flashy artist. He's a little cartoony, and he just doesn't have the um, you know the flash that say you know a John Byrne had on the series. Um, but I like the way his characters look. There's a certain lived-in feeling that all of the characters have. Uh, and most importantly, Sal Basima brought the most, one of the most important things to comics, and that being the Sal Basima punch. <laughs> I can't argue with that. I love the Sal Basima punch. Just that, that panel where whichever character punches another character, and he's thrown backwards with arms flailing aside – Mouth agape, it is it is a wonderful piece of art. It happens twice in this issue, and as I mentioned in the synopsis, there's a reverse one, which is which I don't see as often, which was a nice change of pace. And I do really appreciate that his Bruce Banner is this little scrawny ninety-eight pound weakling guy. Yes, I think it kind of goes in that, that lived-in feeling. I think to a certain extent, I mean, Hulk, I mean Bruce Banner, just by the nature of his wandering, and he's not, you know, he's probably not eating a whole lot. I mean, he's going to be scrawny. He might even be in fairly decent shape, but he's not got. He doesn't have any type of stylized body shape. In fact, very nobody does. Even Thor looks like looks relatively. Normal as as Guardian Thunder Gods go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he kind of kind of looks more like that late sixties, early seventies Thor kind of thing. Yeah, I just this is it's it's this whole issue is basically what I like to call a lazy Sunday afternoon comic. It's it's nothing flashy. It's you know it gets the job done, tells a story. It's done in one. The it's you know, it's. You're probably going to forget about it 15 minutes after you finish reading it, unless you're going to do a podcast about it. Who would but, do that? <laughs> but it's the perfect way to pass the time on a lazy Sunday when you're like in between loads of laundry. And Marvel Comics, well, I actually a lot of comics during this period of time, you know, um, Marvel, DC, um, fit into that category. Just good, solid storytelling. It's not super ambitious. I don't think it needs to be. Um, I mean, you, you got your Hulk, you got your Thor, you got a fight. The cover tells it all right there. Yeah, it, it makes no bones about trying to be the big game changer, you know. In this issue, Bruce Banner dies. And, quite frankly, in 1980, um, it was disposable. I, I, I really don't think, you know, people were going to Anybody at Marvel was going to think that anybody was going to come back to look at this book six months later, necessarily, or you know, 
or have it on some sort of strange magical computer device that you could pull up anytime you want. Oh, I wish Marvel would come up with some sort of unlimited way to do that. One day, one day, fingers crossed. That way I can spend way too much money. As far as the story itself, I mean, I know we kind of touched on it. it. It's not a big game changer. It is what it is. It's fighty fight for fighting's sake. But... Yeah, I think to a certain extent it's a fight scene looking for a story. It's there. This, this story has, I mean, the previous issue literally takes place. You know, the UFOs were introduced in that issue. And it takes place in the southwest somewhere. Uh, now, magically, he's gotten across country. How? Who cares? Um, <laughs> Matlow doesn't care. He's not because he, you know, there's no hidden stories. There's nothing in between there. I mean, he may have made some appearances in either an annual or something in there. But given the distribution of um, comics at that time, you know, done in one were the was the way that it was all done. Um, but yeah, it's a fight scene looking for a story. There's only one purpose to this story and that is to get that, get the Hulk onto that boat. So that way it leads into kind of a world tour that the, the Hulk go, is about to embark on. He's going to go to the middle East and he's going to meet, um, Arabian night and he's going to meet, um, Soviet super soldiers, um, in a, in a couple issues after that, next issue, the very next issue has Sabra making her first appearance. So Mantlo's introducing some new characters, and this is just this story just gets him onto that boat. Yeah, you kind of get the feeling this was uh, Mantlo meeting with editors, and they were just like, "Yeah, we love the idea for the next story, but how are you going to get him there?" Well, uh, well, he's going to fight Thor. He's going to fight Thor and end up on a boat. Write that. <laughs> Done. But, you know, all in all, I mean, I, I, I sound a little critical about it, but I, I generally kind of enjoyed this issue. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, you said it yourself, it's a lazy Sunday afternoon. It's fun, for fun's sake. You're not going to get, don't come to this looking for crisis or secret wars or something. You're getting Hulk smash. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, you know, not every comic needs to be that earth-shattering event. And I think that's kind of a lost art. Just not, not even necessarily the done one. We, I mean, we talk about – so many people talk about writing for the trade or I like to think of it in, even before writing for the trade. People were writing for the comic book store because they you knew where you were going to be getting the next issue. There was you – know, you would pull lists and just having the LCS – uh, you can. You knew that you were going to be able to find, probably going to find the next issue of whatever series you liked. This story was written for the spinner rack. You probably didn't read the previous one, and unless you were real lucky, you probably weren't going to read the next one. Yeah, and that goes back to the cover. That was the whole. Well, I don't read the Hulk, but look, he's fighting Thor in this one. This looks like it'll be good. Or... Yeah, exactly. Or vice versa. Somebody is really reading Thor like every month, and they turn around. Hey, Thor is fighting the Hulk this month. Maybe I'll drop the extra. What was the cover price? Fifty oh. cents. I don't need to eat lunch today. I'm going to buy Hulk. Hey, that's that. Uh, that pretty much sums up uh, a lot of 
my comic reading history. <laughs> well, yeah, if, the issue was, if the issue was bad enough, you could just eat it. Well, I don't know. Maybe a little bit too much fiber. <laughs> and ultimately, I mean, really, looking at this period of Marvel Comics, I mean, it's, it's kind of in between. We're about ready to enter the period in which, you know, Burn, Burn's not on Fantastic Four yet. Simonson hasn't started Thor. Um, actually, the first run of uh, Miller's Daredevil, I think that's like the high point of this particular month. It's kind of a – the whole the whole month is pretty much lazy Sunday afternoon comics. Eh, nothing wrong, really wrong with that, but yeah, oh. it, it's not the Marvel that everybody sees in their memory. I mean, granted, the same month of, of the first issue of Days of Future Past. I mean, that's a pretty big thing. But that's probably the highest point of um, of this particular month in this particular period of Marvel Comics. Okay. Uh, I, I've never actually been to New York. You know, shocking. But um, I, I kind of want to know, why does the river need a lighthouse? I mean, they do have big ships come through. There's even a kid's storybook about this, um, about this lighthouse, the Little Red Lighthouse, and the Great Gray Bridge, hmm. written written by Hildegard H. Swift. Um, I checked it out, thinking that it had something to do with this story, um, just in you know thematically. I don't think it does. <laughs> it just... There's not a section where. Hobos just climb in there to sleep. No, I mean the whole thing about it, the story, just kind of a tangent, is that you know everybody and everything has its purpose, and the purpose of this lighthouse is to keep uh, large ships from crashing into the side. And I don't know if that translates into what um, Matt Lowe is going for in this story or not. I was intrigued, <laughs> so I checked it out of the library. You know, forgive my ignorance, but I'm from Oklahoma, where we are shocked and appalled when people crash barges into large bridges spanning rivers. <laughs> hey, I'm from Kansas. I get it. As far as Don Blake goes, do you miss Don Blake at all? That's a tough question. Um, kind of. And the reason being is kind of... My problem it kind of spans my problem with Thor. I really have little patience for Asgardian politics. And you can say the same thing about Aquaman comics. I have no patience for Atlantean uh, politics. Um, the Inhumans, that's nothing but Inhuman family royal drama. Uh, I don't think it's ever written really well, so I kind of miss the human element that, that kind of grounds Thor. Without Don Blake, you, you kind of wonder why Thor's hanging around. He could be spending all of his time in um, Asgard. I mean, given the short lifespan in comparison to any average Asgardian, you know, the Avengers, you know, his time with the Avengers is really but a blink of the eye. I got into Thor like within three issues of Eric Masterson taking over the role, like full time, not switching between him and Thor. You know, it took a while for me to actually get adjusted to the whole Don Blake thing. It took me a while to get adjusted to Thor as Thor. 
Yeah, I think there's something to that. I mean, it was he was always Don Blake up when I first started reading Thor. And to be honest, I didn't read a whole lot of Thor. Uh, it was never my first go-to comic. Um, if I was picking something up from the uh, from from the spinner rack, it'd usually be a team book or maybe a Spider-Man or a team-up title. Um, but that some Thor was never um, anything that uh, held my interest for more than an issue or so. I mean, Simonson changed that a little bit. I'll go through brief spurts, but for the most part, uh, I tend to give the Thunder God um, a wide berth. Strangely enough, I like the movies a lot more than I like uh, like the comics in this case. Okay, so back to the story. Hulk is on the George Washington Bridge. Did you resist singing it in your head? George Washington Bridge George Washington Washington Bridge 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 managed to do it. I was more shocked and surprised that the police were ready and waiting for him. <laughs> Man, they were... I guess maybe they have Hulk drills in the Marvel Universe, but they were ready and ready to, to, to get down to business. The one thing thinking about, about this issue that I had a real problem with, you know, in that throughout the entire book, there's like two women in that whole story. And they're only in like two or three panels in throughout the entire story. One, she's the there's the woman that's um, the toll booth, um, the woman at the toll booth, and then the mother inside the car inside the bridge, and that was it. I feel like Basima. Sorry. I feel like Basima could have added (laughs) a little bit more diversity into the comic. But then I'm looking at it in with you know 2017 eyes at a 1980 comic. Why is the captain of the ship dressed like some kind of rich playboy? Wait, you mean that they don't? <laughs> well, I assume this was a freighter, so <laughs> you know, given the fact that everyone else looks like they're dressed in working clothes, and he looks like he's ready to order martinis. Well, he is the skipper. Yeah, he's the skipper, but he's dressed like Mr. Howell. <laughs> it could just be that I'm being nitpicky. Uh, speaking about being nitpicky, um, and this is really kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm almost disappointed in myself. In the, um, the, the editor's note, see the now classic Thor number 112? There was no Thor 112. It was still Journey into Mystery. It was still Journey into Mystery. Because I went to go look for it. Wow. Which, Dropping the ball, Jim Shooter. Well, well, it's Al Milgram's. He's the one credited with it, unless Shooter told him to take the, the hit. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if you went and read that, went to go look for that issue on Marvel Unlimited, if you have it. And that was kind of an interesting little 
Hulk versus Thor fight during the during the events during it in uh, Avengers number three um, during a Namor Hulk versus the Avengers battle. Thor decides that he wants to see whether or not he is truly stronger, the Hulk, stronger than the Hulk, and asks um, Odin to uh, remove the magic properties of his hammer. In the middle of the battle, you know, who cares? You know that Namor and and Thor cause shenanigans. Hulk, I mean, Thor just needs to know that he's more powerful than the Hulk. <laughs> so what if humans die? Yeah, what's a what's a once again, they're disposable. You know, their lifespan is just a blink of his eye, and it turns out that you know, there's no clear-cut winner. So, who do you think won this fight? Did anybody win this fight? Well, that train sure certainly didn't. No, the train sure didn't. Um, I I would have to say the clear winner of this fight was the bum in the little red lighthouse. <laughs> Because Hulk tore open the door and gave him a dry place to sleep. Wonder what that hobo's doing now. I do like the way that the, the the way the hobo looks in this. I mean, it still comes down to you know Basima's work. It's cartoony, but this guy he obviously you know has he's lived in. You, you, yeah. you can feel. Yeah, you, you can feel the um, the years and the miles that he's he's endured. Right. He's not necessarily old, but he's well-traveled. He's, you know, his mouth's kind of sunk in from loss of teeth. He's he's just been out and about for so long, and he's ready to crawl in the bottle and give it all up. And and that's the thing about Basima's work in this. And it's all different types of body types and shapes and sizes. There's overweight Overweight people, um, old people, people losing their hair. It just, it just, you just don't see that as much anymore. Everything seems idealized and kind of generic and kind of, kind of sterile. I mean, and and that was my grumpy old man moment. <laughs> but it's true though. I mean, I get what you're going at. All, everybody is well. I mean, I don't know a better word to say it. They're all idealized, even if they're not. The clothes are rumpled. Clothes, I mean, yeah, that's the thing is that the, the it looks like the the style of you know the the late nineteen seventies, early nineteen eighties. Um, maybe it's a little old fashioned, but you know, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to admit, this is a pretty fun issue. I I don't know that I could come up with any argument to dissuade anybody from reading it unless they just really don't like Thor or the Hulk. Yeah, I mean, it's worth, you know, it's don't go in expecting too much. Um, perfect if you're working on laundry. <laughs> or, try, you know, before mm-hmm. you fall asleep, it's just... It's fun. It's disposable. You'll probably forget about it 15 minutes later. The front half of the book will take you twice as long to read as the back half of the book, but yeah, yeah, that's exactly. the nature of the beast. It's it's not meant to... It's not the works of Shakespeare, people. No. 
and in in back in 1980, that was your fix as you're waiting for the fourth season of The Incredible Hulk to 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 debut. About two weeks later, uh, the first episode of uh, the fourth season hit the airwaves. Really. Nicely I was kind of curious about it because, it, you know, to be completely honest, in a, in many ways, it's kind of like a an a, an average, you know, episode of The Incredible Hulk. Granted, you know, he didn't fight Thor in the regular series. He didn't toss a bear. Didn't toss a bear. He tossed Thor. <laughs> Roughly the same size as bear. I, I think I lost my train of thought. <laughs> But no, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, though. It it really is, aside from him starting out as the Hulk in this issue, it really does feel like, more or less, like an episode. There's a problem, Hulk gets mad, does Hulk stuff, turns back into Banner, and right about the third act of the episode, he has to become Hulk again and do smashy-smashy things. And then when he's on the boat, you can hear the... Uh, the... The, mm-hmm. the, the banner um, hitchhike music at the end of the episode. For a while, you know, I watched the show, and to this day, I still kind of wonder why uh, Jack McGee has never made a comic book appearance. <laughs> and I really think that um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is missing out on having Steve Buscemi play um, Jack McGee in the movies. Huh, I could say that. He looks just like uh, the actor who played Jack McGee. Maybe if they ever get around to making another Hulk movie. <laughs> Which they won't. Why does he need to make more movies? He's got Thor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Greg, do you have any final thoughts on this issue? As I said, it's worth, if you can find it, uh, to, to crib Professor Allen's um, shtick, um, his branding. Um, if, it's, if you can find it in a discount bin... It's worth it's worth it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't pay any more than a quarter or a dollar, at, depending upon your discount bin pricing. Um, or if you find it, if you're looking for just a quick, you know, read if, on Marvel Unlimited. So it's uh, it's worth reading if you can find it at a reasonable price. That sounds about right. Uh, I think I would lean more toward the Marvel Unlimited route, but. Yeah, if you prefer the hard copy, a, a dollar is about as much as I'd say spend on it. Yeah, it just it depends upon what your discount bin. <laughs> Hold on. A few moments later. Dogs exploded. Hold the on. dog disagrees with your opinion. Well, that happens. Essentially, that's it. I mean, just in terms of, you know, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Greg, I appreciate you being on this episode. Well, thanks for inviting me. So, just one last thing. Are you definitely excited for Thor Ragnarok? 
I am. I'll probably go opening weekend, depending upon what's going on. Um, and if I have somebody available to go with me, <laughs> one of my children. But, and as long as they're interested in seeing them, I will go see them, uh, the, the films. So they're, they're starting to show a little bit of the fatigue, but uh, um, worst case scenario, you know, if, they, if nobody wants to see it, I'll wait for it to be on, on demand or something. But I plan on seeing it. Well, sounds good to me. Alrighty, well, if nothing else, we we didn't get the rights to a Led Zeppelin soundtrack, so I can't put one here, I'm afraid. Darn it. But I can take a break for some promos and be right back with listener feedback in Espresso Yourself. Fever, the new show from the Fire and Water Podcast Network celebrating the classic Saturday morning cartoons. Available on fireandwaterpodcast.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. I'm going to have some coffee. What do you want? Some uh, milk? Or uh, what? Milk? Coffee's fine. Drink it. I'm hip. I don't know. This is espresso, you know? It's like coffeezilla. I said I'm hip. And we're back with Espresso Yourself. Twitter favorites and retweets came from Shay Fontana, the author of DC Superhero Girls, Mark Danvers, Martin Gray, Professor Frenzy, aka Jerry of Bat Books for Beginners. Lori Hyrup, Carolyn Wells, Justice's First Dawn, Lerong Song, Chase Allen Boldman, Old Mac, Rebecca Cox, Warlord Worlds, which is a podcast covering the works of Mike Grell, Michelle Bacon, Waja Hassan, Sakara Fields at Dream Drop Master, Big Bones at Bones Tats, Chris of Bat Books for Beginners, Pod Dillon, Between the Pages, Greg Arujo, I'm the Gun, Ange, Comics in the Golden Age, Diablo Frank, Superman Movie Minute, 
Longbox Crusade, who has recently revamped their podcast format. I suggest you guys go check out their new episodes. Monster B at Maya30. Y at Mr. Y's House. Delirium's Penguin. I love that name. Stephen Wilson. Tyroman. Trekker Talk, which is a podcast covering the works of Ron Randall. At Yuki Yuki 2. Cash Flag. Crystal Grace. Brian Mulvey. Will Lil Comics. And Paul Hicks of the Waiting for Doom podcast. And over on Facebook, we got likes and shares from Gene Hendricks. As far as feedback for the last episode, Martin Gray of Too Dangerous for a Girl said, We almost swayed him to give DC Superhero Girls a try, but he still decided to pass. Uh, Maybe next time, old chap. Well, it seems to be a short feedback section this episode, but that's fine and dandy. Be sure to check out Thor Ragnarok and let me know what you think, as well as sending in some feedback on this episode. I'd love to hear from you. Feedback can be sent to coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, can be left directly on the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or you can find me on Twitter at coffeeandcomicsblg. So, come back, where the comics are never too old and the coffee is never too... Ah! Damn it! Spilled my coffee! be the Hulk. I'm the Hulk. Oh, please. You couldn't even change into Bill Bixby. Come on, damn it. Change. Ah, Forget it. I really did it once. Yes, yes. I just wish you had the power to leave my store. Almost had it there.